0: 1st wrestlemania 17 the biggest of all time the rock in austin the biggest of all time the fact of the matter is this is i will give you every drop of sweat every drop of blood every ounce of energy i have win lose or draw you are going to get the absolute best of the rock at wrestlemania and there's a reason why they call me the rock there's a reason why they call me the most electrifying man the world has ever seen and all that And there's a reason why they call me the best. Come April 1, two unstoppable forces will meet. And all questions will be answered. On April 1st,
1: do I want to beat you on a personal level? Oh, hell yeah, I do. But on a professional level, which bleeds over in my personal existence, I need to beat you, Rock. I need it more than anything that you can ever imagine. So that's the mentality I roll into the Astrodome with, the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin is back and that I must beat The Rock to be the World Wrestling Federation champion once again. And there is no other way. There can be only one. There can be only one World Wrestling Federation champion and that will be Rock when it's all said and done. Stone Cold Steve Austin. With
0: all you
1: You think you're special? special You do I can see it in your eyes I can see it when you laugh at laughing Hello, my name is Chris White and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, where we are going back in the time machine to March of 2001 for all your WWF coverage. Joining me, we have the captain himself, Rory McNamara. Rory, how are we doing in this most newsworthy of months?
0: Howdy, Chris. I'm as all right as I can be, I would say. This is testing even our resolve this month of all months, isn't it? But wouldn't want to be in the trenches with anybody else.
1: It's very kind of you to say sir would you uh, kindly take our listeners through what we have in store for them in terms of other volumes this month as a uh, as they'll know by now we've got some big news but um, this show isn't necessarily the place where you hear the analysis of that
0: no we had a discussion when all of this was blowing up when we just managed to wrench our jaws off the floor how we were going to cover all of this stuff and we decided that the death of wCW perhaps I should have paused before I said that everybody in the very unlikely event that nobody had heard that one, break it to you gently and all that the death of WCW needed to be tackled in its own right. So volume one, which I hope you have already heard is the show that looks at how we came to this still remarkable state of affairs where we look at how WCW final, finally laid itself to rest day by day in March, 2001. We look at the final pay-per-view greed we pick over the bones, wonder what went wrong, whether they could have been saved and look to whatever future there might be. So all of that is in volume one. In our third volume, which you hope we, you will be listening to right after this one, we will be tackling the final edition, number 288 out of 288 editions of Monday Nitro. And uh, still shocking, as if the shocks don't come quick and fast enough anyway, the still shocking simulcast of Monday Nitro with Monday Night Raw, where we go through that match by match, segment by segment, again, doing our very best to make sense of the three hours of eye-robbing television that was in front of us just a few days ago. So just to recap what we've got, Volume 1 is our final WCW volume. It needed to stand alone. Volume 2 is this one, where we will be mainly looking at bits and pieces of WWF-centric news plus all the bill to WrestleMania volume three wraps it all up with nitro and raw. And yes, we will be covering WrestleMania straight after the event itself. And that will be dropping in just a few days time as well. So
1: it's really too early to speculate from the WWF side of things, what this deal to buy WCW means, obviously storyline wise, Shane McMahon's bought the company and has pledged that they will basically kick Vince's ass again. Um, We saw on the simulcast. Uh, It kind of felt at a perfect time to fit it into that story, Rory, but not necessarily um, this close to WrestleMania, something that big falling into the WWF's hands, anything that's going to significantly play into the short term, the very short term, by which I mean, basically march and wrestlemania it didn't really change a lot for us uh on screen here really
0: no it occurred too late in the day for that really and i think there's a lot of fanciful stuff being thrown around and i understand it to a degree because trying to piece all this together it would test a greater mind even even ours chris but we will do our best i've seen some people online you keep telling me not to go online why do i do it that there's going to be a very big run in at WrestleMania from people who may or may not have been involved in WCW in recent months. I think that is way off being to be honest. I reckon, and this is just my opinion, we won't be hearing those letters very often for a few months what WWF end up doing with it and they will do something with it as much as Vince and we talked about it in the simulcast would love to be able to put it on the shelf I don't think even he who is warm hearted that he is would quite go that far although you know he's thought about it so there will be something whether it's just using the world title bell I don't know but I wouldn't get too excited about seeing any week by week developments any time in the immediate future I think the WWF, quite understandably, want to get WrestleMania and its aftermath out of the way first. And then some kind of WCW storyline leading to concurrent programming, possibly in the summer. We'll see. But as tempting as it is, I wouldn't get too excited just
1: yet. And I think it's kind of important for the WWF sake here that obviously uh, in the larger grander scheme of professional wrestling as an entity um, non-company specific, the death of WGTW is what March, 2001 will always be remembered for. But I think it's kind of important that from the WWF's perspective that they don't, they try not to allow that to overshadow the build to what could be an all time great WrestleMania. In a way, um, if you are in the WWF and you've got months and in some cases years of storytelling interweaved through this card that you're going to be putting on on the 1st of April um, and you have this kind of like fall onto your lap with less than two weeks to go, um, I feel like there's probably an element of pride in wanting to deliver the best WrestleMania you can. Yeah, Um that doesn't really involve WCW a great deal.
0: I think that's quite right. And we get on the Fed a lot on these programs. It comes with the territory, really. Pun very much intended. But here, I would almost go as far to say I'd be a little disappointed if they leaned too heavily into the WCW thing when Sunday rolls around. Whatever their WrestleMania plans end up being, they've had them in the can for quite a while, other than the matches that came together last week, but that's by the by, so I don't see anything being done to offset that they know how huge Wrestlemania 17 should be, that's why they booked out the Houston Astrodome to do so, for goodness sake, so let's give them that chance first before we start getting on their case too much about burying WCW because let's face it, said organisation did a pretty fine job of doing that itself
1: So as Rory said, for this episode, we're mainly going to be looking at the build to WrestleMania 17, which takes place on Sunday, April 1st, talk through some of the bigger TV angles of the month heading into the show. But before we do, there is one sort of quite big, but non-company purchasing level (laughs) piece of news that we should discuss. Uh, As we broke down last month, Jerry Lawler walked out of the WWF. He quit the company. Uh, Rory, yeah. I believe you you actually told us that at at one stage he was thought to have reached out to WCW in the last few months, which now seems a tad unfortunate. (laughs) Um, We did speculate as to who his replacement would be, but I don't think either of us correctly predicted who would fill that spot next to JR on Raw. Mm -hmm. We start the first Raw of the month. Jim Ross welcoming us to the show. The camera pans back to reveal his broadcast partner, ECW owner, Paul Heyman. Heyman, sporting an ECW cap, explains that the cat was fired last Tuesday and her husband, Jerry Lawler, to his credit, walked out with her. He says when there's chaos, there's opportunity. And with the king gone, Heyman has come to roar to get extreme. Uh, Rory, there is some speculation uh, that Vince McMahon may have, in fact, calculated that by firing the cat, he would have known that Lawler would quit and, with that knowledge, manipulated this entire scenario so he could bring Paul Heyman in. Lawler himself has actually given credence to that rumour and expresses that, in hindsight, he may have acted a bit rashly and uh, that may well be true. What do you make of that theory and the development? We've got Paul Heyman on Raw.
0: Oh, we are always wise after the event, are we not, Mr. Lawler? And I give a lot of credence to that. I'm not even going to call it a rumour. I'm well enough versed in the ways and means of Vince McMahon over the last eight years of doing this, and goodness knows how many years beforehand, that yes, he was well aware of the situation. And probably, not that Heyman would need a second invitation, probably green-lighted him to talk about all the backstage stuff in his very first utterance as a commentator on Monday Night Raw as well. It all makes so much, and indeed too much, sense. Having said that, Heyman. No, I'm going to say the word. Yes, he has been a revelation on commentary. We've heard him don the headset before many times in two other promotions for many reasons, of course. So this isn't completely new to him. It would be wrong to say it is. But he crashed in there the first Monday of the month. And he just got everything. He knew all the storylines, even the mid-card, lower-card ones, all the character motivations everything that it was leading to he worked up an instant hate hate rapport with jr which probably wasn't too much of a stretch for either of them he had actual match insights to give to us all he didn't have to point out certain parts of the female anatomy for us on this occasion as well very welcome long overdue and he by all accounts he was just been Itching for a job ever since ECW. They're just in abeyance at the moment, guys. The reason Chris Lacey hasn't been around with any ECW show is because there's nothing to talk about. They still nominally exist. But I believe the successful, if that's the right word, filing for bankruptcy could be coming any day now. So Heyman got out while he could. And what a treat he has given us. I'm not going to go as far to say I never knew he had it in him. But he's even better than I could
1: have hoped. But yeah,
0: just we should have been a bit sooner, really.
1: Yeah, he's been uh, really great, and I think he's added a lot to <laughs> to RAW. And I, I think as someone who, uh, the vast majority of the time, uh, lawler and commentary, um, unless there is like a, a women's segment or angle or match or anything going on, he kind of like. I think over the, I've just learned to sort of tune him out a tad. So I never really found him as egregious as, as I, as a lot of other people. And then as soon as he's been replaced by someone like Paul Heyman, who's been as great as he has, I've been like, oh my god, this is like exactly what I needed. Um, I, I felt like on that first roar, it just like within the first hour, everything just clicked. Like I think he. Uh, Needed a little bit of time just to get into the groove on that first raw, but throughout the month it was like he'd been there the whole time. Um, and that is the utmost credit to him and uh for for I mean taking the opportunity uh when it when it arose or when Vince McMahon caused it to arise and uh yeah making the most of it because I think he's been genuinely excellent and uh a, a real credit and a benefit to uh raw this month.
0: And, of course, best of all is read for Snickers Cruncher.
1: (laughs) Yes, of course. Yeah. Crunch, yes! Perfect. Away away um, from the news and to more on-TV storylines here, we pick up where we left off last month and get up to speed with uh, unfortunate developments in the Vince McMahon and Trish storyline. Oh, no. So... uh, On the 5th of March edition of Raw, Trish made her way to the ring to respond to the humiliation that she'd suffered the week prior. Trish tells us that she had the most humiliating experience of her life, but refuses to hide from it and even shows us footage of the incident. Trish says she's been thinking of what to say to Vince McMahon and calls him out to the ring. Vince comes out. Trish looks him in the face and tells him she has two words. I'm sorry. She breaks down in tears and tells Vince she deserves everything he did to her last week. Vince doubts her sincerity and speculates that she's only sorry because she isn't receiving expensive gifts anymore. Vince asks, ask Trish if she is as sorry as Linda is. And in order to prove how sorry she is, must get down on all fours and crawl like a dog. Trish complies. Vince then makes her bark and bark the words, I'm sorry. And Trish goes along with that as well. He tells Trish that it's not good enough and, to prove that she's really sorry she must disrobe in front of everyone she undresses until Vince eventually decides that's enough and covers her up with his jacket Vince uh, tells her that she he does actually believe she is sorry trish tells vince that not even vince knows how far she would degrade herself for the right cause vince dismisses trish before telling everyone in the arena in the arena in dc They are all a lot like Trish because they all work for the government and come close to prostituting themselves, just like Trish. These problematic segments continued on Smackdown that week. Vince described Trish as trash, while admitting that he may have gone too far on Raw. Trish said she had a present for Vince on the show and willed uh, Linda McMahon onto screen so yeah Linda McMahon heavily medicated Linda McMahon was on Smackdown Uh, Vince and Trish wheeled her onto stage where Vince berated her and eventually Vince and Trish proceed to make out right in front of Linda who continues to sit there with no reaction at all Vince sarcastically waves at her before having Trish wheel her to the back to finally end that segment Rory we can kind of discuss where this all goes with Vince's behaviour in terms of WrestleMania um, a bit later but before we get there, just these angles with Trish were like appalling stuff
0: Yeah, we had to take this separately, didn't we? Because I don't think the build to WrestleMania this doesn't deserve to be spoken about in such a breath to be honest with you Oh boy, as a pro wrestling fan, as a WWF fan specifically You have to expect quite a lot. Now, Those three little words you mention so often, Mr. White, they're never too far away from proceedings, are they? And they're always grandfathered in when you sit down to watch any form of WWF programming. But this is... And I feel like I almost should touch wood saying even this, (laughs) because... This might not be the end, but a new low. And please let it be the final low. I am struggling to articulate this. It took place three weeks ago. I knew we would have to discuss it. It really does in every way speak for itself. But nevertheless, let's do it once and hopefully never again. Well, in nine months' time, it it better come up again. Anyway... So, it's not bad enough that Trish Stratus, who we talked about last month, is effectively made to be the bad one in all of this. Everything that's happened, Vince getting it on with her, drugging his wife when he doesn't need wheeling around, all of that is really Trish's fault. Okay, so everybody bear that in mind. Not only that, not only is Trish then told this in no uncertain terms in the ring, so we have a live gaslighting taking place on Monday night television. Not only that, that would be beyond the pale as it is. And I'd be all over that. I assure you. And I hope all of you would as well. But what possesses the man? And this isn't Mr. McMahon, the character. This is Vince McMahon. What possesses him? What switch has gone off in his head that he thinks the best way to get over this element of the storyline that Trish Stratus is apologising to him and his character doesn't believe her. Where does it come from? What deep-rooted psychological element is there locked within him that he thinks for that to be represented, he needs to have a grown woman in her 20s crawling around on her knees and saying I'm sorry in dog language all of those things were uttered by Vince on the mic and all of those things really did happen where does it come from I'm not expecting anybody listening to this show to have the answer Lord knows there are going to be books and books written on this one day maybe he'll have his own section in the Lancet I don't know Listen, I don't mean, I'm not intending to make light of this, it was disgusting, it was despicable, it was deplorable it was the worst thing we have ever seen, Is the one thing we've seen in pro wrestling in the seven and a half years we've been doing this in which I cannot should not and will not even attempt to look at unintentional comedic aspects, there are none, this outright disgusted me i'm pretty much target audience for this stuff no straight white male i think trish as attractive as the next person does fuck all of that i don't mind admitting to all the listeners now i and i'm a pretty tough nut to crack as i say you have to be to watch this stuff i was close to welling up during that element in the segment okay and i hope i'm not alone in that but how can you treat any human being like this this is Talk about levels you won't go to degrade yourself. This is it. And make no mistake, this wasn't Trish Stratus apologising to Mr. McMahon. This was Patricia Strategius herself being forced into this revolting position for the entertainment of 15,000, supposed entertainment of 15,000 live fans in Washington DC. And hopefully a lot less than people on TV who tuned in 15 minutes beforehand. I should say I'm normally the first person to criticise them. I think they've done a lot more harm than good for football in this country. But Sky Sports, they got it right on this one. They cut this from their broadcast completely. Here in the UK, we don't normally get to see Raw until the following Friday and then Smackdown airs on the Saturday morning. We get review copies, so we're right on the money with all our friends in North America. But I if we hadn't received those copies, I wouldn't have even known that this had happened. And I'm already missing the time where I didn't know this happened. A new, hopefully, please God, let it be the last low.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is um, just horrible television and it's beyond that, isn't it? It's, it's just, you feel for the the real life woman involved. Like I don't know really. I mean, we don't really know how Trish feels about this in real life, but I mean, I'd say it's fairly safe to make a pretty good guess her opinion on the segment she was forced into that night on Raw and uh, I I mean the stuff with Linda like is 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 different but it's just as distasteful and um, yeah I think this period of WWF particularly the last three months really since the turn of the year we've been raving about how good it's been and the pay-per-views i mean the 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 ratings they're getting from from us on this show on average are through the roof and raw and smackdown are both good every week and uh but through it all was just this undercurrent of um just horrible segments um yeah and uh they they just don't need to be doing it as demonstrated by the quality of the show in other areas when they're not doing crap like this, basically Um, yeah, the sooner this is over with, the better, and maybe that will be one of the uh, benefits to Wrestlemania when we get there, that um, we might have (sighs) this storyline will be gone and that's what we can hope for and we've got obviously the return of Foley on uh, the simulcast episode overall before WrestleMania, and you'd hope that having him, if he is going to stick around for a couple of weeks after WrestleMania, like having his presence in these segments would would maybe just stop them from being as quite as low as they are, and and hopefully it all comes to an end. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see when we get there. But. Um, it's just been a really, really poor few segments that have really been running for a number of weeks now, and in fact they did continue to onto the uh, the twelfth of March edition of Raw as well, and uh, and that one, uh, Vince, I, I mean, I, I, not laughing at the segment at all, but just the the depravity of it, almost like I can't believe what my notes say, but he and Trish in the ring laying on the mat and he tells everyone they're going to reenact a a, a, uh, a Hollywood sex scene live in the ring. Like, and of course that doesn't happen, but the fact that we're told it's going to and just that Vince McMahon character with Trish in there is just sordid. Um But this does kind of lead us as we pivot away from these horrible, horrible angles towards Yes, towards this, uh, this where this storyline kind of fits in in the WrestleMania scene, and that is the return of Shane McMahon. He interrupts that segment on the 12th of March and, uh, understandably, doesn't seem too pleased with his father's recent actions. Vince tells Shane they haven't talked uh, much in some time, tries to calm him down, and offers a fatherly handshake. Shane refuses it, Vince asks for a hug, and Shane punches him, pounds away on him instead. Regal runs in, pulls Shane uh, Off of Vince So Shane spears in while Vince and Trish make their escape uh, Shane beats down Regal And chases Vince to the back Regal gathers himself and follows after him We see uh, Vince and Trish Sprint to their limo And uh, drive off into the night The following week Shane challenges Vince to a match at Wrestlemania He has a contract there Ready to be signed And Vince does sign the contract And the match is official But this leads straight into Shane being jumped by Triple H. Uh, Vince demands Hunter pedigree his son. And after he does, uh, Vince gets in Shane's face saying uh, this line, I'll never forgive Linda for giving birth to you. Uh, Vince also says that at WrestleMania, he'll be wheeling Linda out to his corner so she can uh, watch Vince beat her son down. Uh, as we know, Rory, this would take a further twist to the following week when Shane revealed himself as the owner of WCW, which actually sounds even more absurd in the hindsight of recapping <laughs> yes. the rest of it. Uh, and also the return of Mick Foley to make him spell the special guest referee for the Vince v. Shane match. But I mean, if if at all possible to separate the, 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 the Trish stuff away from this, because it's just so heavily intertwined what do we make of sort of Vince v. Shane as a WrestleMania match?
0: Yeah. Shane coming back at just the right time and to use the old Blackadder line, introducing me to a brand new experience, making me pleased to see him. Yeah, Who knows what other horrors Father Dearest might have had in store if he hadn't turned out. Yeah, And I like Shane best when he's got nothing to say. So when he's just out beating the tar out of Vince McMahon, which itself speaks a thousand words and Definitely sign me up for that. I do wonder, I think it's probably quite safe to say that that was not the first time Shane heard the words, I will never forgive your mother for giving birth to you. You just know that Vince was shouting that at him on Sunday morning at, down at the marshes a few years ago, weren't you, when he would missed an open goal or whatever the equivalent is. Probably water off a duck's back for Shane. Uh, Vince has to get his comeuppance somehow. And whilst it will not atone for what we saw earlier, nothing will. It looks to me as though there's going to be a huge revenge fest on him at WrestleMania. Shane, Trish, possibly even Foley all getting theirs on the Rat Bastard. That's one thing Vince does do well, having torn him to deserve shreds five minutes ago. i going to try to patch it back together a little bit. He does show ass. When he needs to, that will make why he's one of the greatest heels we've ever seen. He's done it countless times over the last three years. When it is required that he does so as well, and WrestleMania is the stage to do that, I reckon that will happen. A couple of quality deep dives during the build-up for this one as well, even before the small matter of Shane opening WCW. It's not the most celebrated sit-down interview we're going to talk about this month, but Shane had a fairly good one in the middle of the month where he uttered, I thought, a very important line where he thought maybe he's more like his dad than he ever thought he was or would ever want to be. I think that could prove quite important going forward and they might touch on that in the match. Shane himself going to some unknown places to finally exact revenge for his mother and everybody else Vince has wronged. So nobody is out there exp- expecting a... Gotch Hackenschmidt style match out there. Sorry, Eric, if you're listening, but WrestleMania, trashy, not trash, to use that phrase we uttered a few times last year, with Vince finally, finally being, this iteration of him being laid to rest, Shane getting his revenge on behalf of everybody who's involved, that would be a approaching satisfactory way Of drawing a close to all of this but it's never ever going to wipe that taste out of my mouth
1: yeah I think you're right in saying the kind of one thing that Vince does so well is is when I mean we say it's his character but when Vince the man uh, books a storyline like this with such depravity in it and makes himself the the leading man in that story uh, he will give us Uh, satisfactory payoff I'm sure and uh, yeah I expect Wrestlemania like you say uh, I don't think we'll be seeing any uh, yeah we won't be seeing a classic wrestling match here but I think actually when Vince has had matches in the past they've kind of done it in a way with all the bells and whistles that they actually give you something memorable and special um and I mean, it's kind of like the similar to what we spoken about when we were reviewing No Way Out with uh, Tr- Trish and Steph. Like, it doesn't really matter who's in there. If they're passionate about it, they will give you something that works um, and they will dedicate time and practice and thought to a match. And uh, again, doesn't mean it will be a, a matte classic, but it means that it will be something different on a WrestleMania that hopefully should deliver quite a few other Mac classics. Um, and in a way stand out as a very different, but still memorable match in a good way. If we get there and the payoff is excellent and, uh, Shane wins and, uh, it's a big plus to the WrestleMania card. All is not forgiven, but, uh, nor forgotten. But I, I do think that would go some way to, repairing some of the damage these kind of storylines have done in my mind um but we'll have to see how it all plays out when we get to april 1st another match we've uh got at wrestlemania that we've not spoken about on this show up until now due to the fact that uh, the build only started a few weeks ago is, is triple h versus the undertaker this all kicked off initially when uh taker interrupted a hunter promo on the 8th of march edition of smackdown hunter complaining about not being in the wwf title match despite having recent victories over the rock and stone cold undertaker rides down to the ring he tells triple h that his trespassing is passing on private property and he doesn't want to be in his yard because bad things have been happening there for a decade. Taker tells us while Triple H was climbing the mountain, he was burying people underneath it to make the mountain bigger. <laughs> yes, don't, don't we know all about yes, that uh,
0: one? Uh, That word wasn't lost on me either.
1: <laughs> I didn't think it would be. <laughs> Taker admits that Hunter has come a long way in seven years and may someday run the yard, but that day isn't here. Taker mentions what Triple H said about beating everyone in the WWF, but points out that he's never beaten him. Taker tells Triple H he doesn't like him, fear him, or respects him, but says he will break him and make him famous. Triple H backs away, but eventually jumps Taker, but Taker uh, is able to pound away on him and toss him over the ropes. Stephanie holds the furious Triple H back as Taker stands tall in the ring and glares out to him. Uh, Things heat up the next week on Raw. Triple H attacks the Undertaker backstage and traps him underneath his motorbike. Triple H threatens to take him out. If he messes with him, uh, eventually goes to do so, but Kane makes a save. This leads to the main angle that builds the WrestleMania match with Taker being arrested on the following episode of SmackDown. He spends the majority of the evening waiting for Hunter to arrive at the building in the in the parking area. Uh, Taker smashes Hunter and Stephanie's limo when they arrive, their, their window, he smashes it with a pipe, breaks in, um, they leg it, and the cops arrive and arrest the Undertaker. Turns out, Undertaker is hit with a restraining order. He initially thinks it's going to be on Hunter, but it's on Stephanie and uh, Kane. Uh, but this leads to an angle the following week where the Undertaker quite cleverly uses Kane to chase Stephanie away from Hunter so he can uh, approach Triple H and get his hands on him. We eventually cut backstage and see Kane pressing Stephanie above his head at the top of a stairwell. Taker uses this hostage situation to leverage two WrestleMania matches, Kane versus Big Show and The Undertaker versus Triple H, and Regal eventually agrees to both, and Stephanie is released unharmed. Well, we speculated a little bit kind of where Hunter would end up uh, on this WrestleMania card, and um, I mean, he's coming off a big win over Stone Cold City, Boston, at No Way Out. Um, and although I think this story is kind of one of those wrestlemania matches that you're always going to get where it's just kind of like you've maybe got your top like three matches and then you just put together the leftover parts uh in any combination you can it's a little bit thrown together i actually think it's been done quite well
0: well you can't expect me to be unbiased here chris this is the match of my dreams after all <laughs> <laughs> very specific type of dreams but nevertheless we are where we are and i actually think it's been built really rather well, he says. I'm only crossing my fingers on one hand as well. No, it's been built really rather well. I liked that it first came out of something as simple as Triple H thinking he's beaten everybody. Let's face it, he does. But there's one name, one fairly important name that he has never beaten. I like that. Simple. Grounded in storyline and kayfabe truth. And If you are the best, why not really try and prove it on the grandest stage of them all, on somebody who, whether we like it or we don't, is very much the gatekeeper to that sort of position. So I really like that opening build, that it's just basically going to be a Triple H has beaten everybody, oh no he hasn't type match. That's great. It's a good use of both of them at this point. Uh, Triple H Michaels was never really on the cards, and anything that keeps Undertaker away from the title picture is A-OK with me. I think they wobbled a bit after that first segment. Some high points, some very literal high points, but they were also quite low points as well. I didn't like undertaker using Kane to hold stephanie hostage to make the match i think the match just should have been made by some unseen power as sometimes happens after the first smackdown confrontation undertaker is a terrible babyface at the best of times i think that's come through in most of my commentaries over the last year or so what if regal had said no it doesn't really bear thinking about pick back up again on the smackdown where Triple H and, of course, Big Show, Chris, I thought I'd mention that one on your behalf, do their stuff to beat up Undertaker and Kane, and Undertaker is bleeding buckets at the right time in the build-up to the match, not necessarily during it. Makes me want to see him get his revenge, sort of. Triple H, that very good line. Dead Man Inc. is going belly up. I would have ended it there. They missed the peak a little bit, and when it's Undertaker talking about the vagaries of the legal system in the state they're in saying he could be released from tw- in 12 hours and triple H then just pushing his bike lightly off the stage. Yeah, we'd, we'd lost it a little bit by then, but on the whole, I like the reasoning for this match. I do like the intensity both men are showing. I think it's going to be a no nonsense throw down. will be very interesting to see actually where it falls on the card. Maybe it could end up being the, I think the show's going to be fairly close to four hours looking at all the matches that are on there. So it could be the main event to placate them of the first half, maybe coming in leading up towards the end of the second hour. We'll see where it falls on the card, but they have built it extremely realistically. I, you know, add some metallics to that, but you get what I mean. It comes from people wanting to win wrestling matches. Wouldn't it be nice to see just a little bit more of that?
1: Yeah, I think we can all agree uh, on that point, and I, I, I'm with you on the the, the Stephanie hostage situation is is not something that I uh, am a particular fan of either. But I, I thought the setup for that at the very least with the the use of Kane to chase Stephanie yeah that through was the crowd yeah, that that was good. Um, I mean, we don't necessarily like. I mean hunter could have just followed stephanie as well and then that would have kept undertaker away like i mean that's a bit silly but uh as a wrestling angle i thought it was yeah pretty good um yeah i would have done without the hostage situation though um and i'm with you on the i don't think there was ever a real chance it was going to happen because the wwf knew what they had in the main event of rock versus austin for the title but there was always this lingering fear that Hunter in some way, especially coming out of no way out or just, it could have been done at any point. It would have taken no stretch of storytelling to somehow insert Hunter into that title picture. As I say, I don't think that was ever really seriously discussed as an option and rightly so, but it was a uh, relief to sort of have that confirmed uh, throughout the month. that That is definitely where we're not going. We only have to go back one year, and we'd be having a main event of Rock versus Austin versus Taker versus Hunter uh, in a repeat of uh, yeah WrestleMania 2000. So, yeah, uh, having having uh, four guys in in one match unnecessarily. So, I'm I'm glad we're not there. Um, I think for sort of a thrown together match, even though it's for a WrestleMania, they've done well to build intrigue and create some some good moments um some good angles and whatnot involving both guys and i I actually think um yeah i I don't i don't know about you we can discuss it more when we get to uh sort of our preview for wrestlemania but i actually kind of think triple h will beat him and will beat him convincingly and i kind of hope that's what we get um, but yeah we can we can save that discussion for slightly later in the show as long as they both now, beat each other convincingly eh yes yes i mean yeah we're all winners in that scenario <laughs> for now uh what we do need to discuss is kind of the the most important aspect of tv heading into wrestlemania for the last month and and that would be the build to our main event and the rock defending his wwf title against stone cold steve austin So the first rule of the month, the story took a twist. Deborah approached Vince, told him she wanted to resign as as commissioner and go back to managing. Uh, Vince reminds Deborah of her marriage to Steve Austin and wants to make sure that he's okay with this before Vince authorises any changes. Deborah feels Austin will be fine with it, but uh, Vince asks her to check just to be sure. Debra does check with Austin and he's really upset with her for talking to Vince, but has no problem with the idea of her managing. Deborah tells Vince uh, and Vince tells us that he's got the perfect opportunity for Deborah in mind. So ahead of our main event, which would see The Rock and Austin teaming to face Angle and Hunter, Vince brings out Deborah and announces that she will now be managing The Rock. Austin is not happy about this. He grabs Vince but this just allows Hunter to get the jump on him and start the scheduled match. Uh, the finish sees uh, Deborah distracting the referee while Austin hits a stunner on angle and gets the cover, but obviously there's no count with Hebner's attention diverted. Austin goes to get Deborah away, The Rock comes in and makes the cover and Hebner counts to 3. Rock celebrates the win and Deborah applauds him while Austin just watches it all go down disbelief him and deborah argue as raw goes off the air uh rory there's more to this throughout the month but just from this one episode of raw what did you make of the sort of addition of deborah to this storyline and how it developed as we as we got closer to wrestlemania
0: chris first off a question for you and be honest my friend did you really remember that deborah was still nominally the lieutenant commissioner
1: Uh, No, uh, not a clue. Uh, No memory of that whatsoever, I am not ashamed to admit.
0: I'm not ashamed for you to say that. Even somebody like you who watches show by show, week by week, month by month, I'm very glad that one passed you by. I'm normally a stickler for continuity in these things, but here I wouldn't have minded desperately if they hadn't reminded us of that situation and it was still a role that existed, that she even needed to resign from in the first place. You just know that somebody told Vince that Austin and Deborah were married. Wouldn't surprise me if he didn't know, or at least didn't want to know. But here in the build-up to WrestleMania, of course, we just can't let them go at it, can we? No. Has to be those extra layers on there. You just know Vince saw her walking down backstage with Austin one day and probably said, "Ah, oh, look at them, pal. And them can be whatever you want it to mean. Ha, huh, gotta get her involved. It's It's soap opera, make movies, etc, etc. So they've welded her into this storyline that doesn't stand up to even the merest bit of scrutiny. How is Deborah being Rock's manager supposed to help either man or even hinder them? What is she in the Eyes of the narrator and the writer, same person going to bring to the table in this situation. Austin is angry, so just wrestle matches like you normally do. Doesn't matter. She's not going to get involved anyway. Rock doesn't need a manager. Okay, well, just ignore her then. See, it, it. I didn't really need to rack my brain in preparation for this show to work out reasons as to why it's just so stupid it's because it is just so stupid it's layers upon layers for the sake of it again just five minutes after i've talked about a match that started started its build from one man realizing he hasn't beaten this man and that man in turn wanting to beat that man to this cable channel seven one six 6am garbage it's utter nonsense it would be run out of any year 10 drama class it there's nothing in this that you can hold on to and makes you want to see rock versus austin at wrestlemania anymore okay i wouldn't go as far to say it made me want to see it any less but then that's impossible they're lucky it's impossible just playing with fire when they don't need to and I know some people have said that they've dropped the storyline now. I'm not absolutely sure they have. We're recording this just after the final SmackDown. Nobody has outright said that Deborah's not involved. She was there with The Rock on the final Raw, lest we forget. We'll talk about the match properly a little later, but I'm concerned that this one's going to get its ultimate denouement on Sunday. And it's going to muddy waters that should be clear, blue and cool. Making a mess just for the sake of it the small matter of wrestlemania as well i mean come on
1: yeah i mean really on paper when is how far back do you have to go when wwf has been able to put on a match at wrestlemania as big as this one like it's 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 a long time right like we've had like big matches but not in terms of like wider cultural popularity of the easily guys. the
0: biggest like we said last month easily the biggest we have done
1: yeah Easy. by far so why do we need to convolute it like what i don't understand is like so vince appoints her as the rocks manager okay great like i don't know what authority vince has to me make deborah have to manage the rock i know he's the chairman and and blah 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 but like why can the rock just say like no i'm all right thanks like that, that that's, <laughs> yeah. that's like point one point two what like Debra has it clearly hasn't signed a contract to do this or anything like that. So why can't she just say, no, I'm all right. Thanks. Like, and then like, even if you get past the fact that for some reason, they're both forced into this situation, like no one forces either of them to act on it. So Deborah could literally come down to ringside if she wanted and just sit near the timekeepers area. She doesn't have to get on the apron and, and, do stuff on behalf of the rock. And I mean, on that first row in particular, we're talking it's the rock and Austin as a team. So it's not wholly out of the, the remit that she is just there and has the intention of helping her husband as well. Um, yeah. I just think it's just a risk um, <laughs> that you don't need to take basically. Um, and I do think when we get to Sunday and WrestleMania proper, it will it will kind of depend to the extent that this storyline has been dropped that um if it has been dropped uh, that it's kind of like will that limit the potential of this match um and that's not to the uh, discredit of rock austin or quite frankly Deborah. um i don't know that like is anything wrong with her performance per se? I just think from a storyline perspective, there's clear flaws in logic here and there need not be. Um, with the caliber of match you've got, you didn't need to do this. Um, and, uh, hopefully we stay on course and the match doesn't become convoluted by Deborah's involvement in the main event of WrestleMania, which is not something I think anyone probably Deborah included would want. Um, so we'll have to see how it develops but there is one final segment I'd like us to talk about in great detail before we get to our preview of WrestleMania 17 Uh, and that is the sit-down interview you mentioned earlier um, with The Rock and Austin that aired on the 22nd of March episode of SmackDown so we have Austin on one side, JR's in the middle The Rock on the other I'll run through some sort of highlights of what both guys said Quite frankly, I'm not going to do Austin, Rock or Jr. justice here, um, but just some highlights of what Jr. asked and both guys said. It was quite a long segment, so I won't go over it all, but just some key points. Jr. starts by thanking both men for taking uh, the time for this and their professionalism despite their recent physicality. He reminds The Rock that before he gets to WrestleMania he has to take on both Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit tonight and starts. With his first question, which is asking Austin if he'd consider being The Rock's tag team partner. Rock takes exception to that. He's saying he doesn't want nor need a partner. And even if he did, Austin would be the last person he'd ever want. Austin asks if Rock is going to answer all of his questions for him. Eventually, JR asks The Rock what the WWF title means to him. Rock says being a champion means you're, you're at the mountaintop. He grew up in the industry, worked his whole life to be the absolute best and the absolute best is the WWF champion. JR brings up how the animosity between them has increased since Vince appointed Deborah as Rock's manager. Rock agrees that it's heightened heightened a lot of things because he never asked for and never wanted Deborah to be his manager. Austin says he doesn't like it either and calls it a conflict of interest that his wife, wife is managing his opponent for the title. Austin says the whole scenario for their match is simple. He wants what Rock has and that's the WWF championship. Well, why couldn't that have been the build? Jr. then goes back uh, to the rising animosity between the two. asks Austin what does he personally think about the Rock as a human being. Austin says Rock may be a wonderful person in most people's eyes, but he himself could care less about him. Jr. asks the Rock the same question and says, it, and the Rock says that it's no mystery how they feel about each other, but they do have each other's respect. Austin says he and Austin. Br- Uh, Rock Rock says that he and Austin bring out the best in each other when they're in the ring, but personally, he does not like him. Austin picks up on JR here for uh, not asking what the WWF title means to him, feeling as if JR's acting a little one-sided. Austin um, is eventually asked, and he echoes the Rock's sentiments. Being WWF champion makes you the number one guy in the industry, bottom line. We get some stuff about the game plan both men have for the match before we get towards the end of the interview. Rock says that it won't matter how many falls, how many minutes or how Deborah is involved, it's the biggest match ever. Rock says that once he and Austin step in the ring, he's going to give Austin every ounce of sweat, blood and energy he has, win, lose or draw, and Austin will get the very best of him at WrestleMania. Austin says, uh, responds by saying that every single time he's been in the ring with the Rock, he's brought the best out of him. Austin says personally he wants to beat him, but professionally, he needs to beat The Rock more than anything he can imagine. Austin says he rolled into the Astrodome knowing that he needs to beat The Rock to become the WWF champion once again. He tells The Rock there can only be one WWF champion, and once the dust settles, it'll be him with all due respect. JR finishes up by thanking both men for their time and wishing them both the best of luck at WrestleMania. Rory, what a magnificent segment that was
0: phew we got there we really did get there for a couple of weeks you know i was pretty concerned but why didn't we have something like this before they just wanted to put us through the ringer didn't they this was the equivalent and it's something wwf do very very rarely but the equivalent of arnold palmer and jack nicholas or Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe sitting down with each other before a huge match or round. And you know that the people involved do not care for each other, to put it mildly, in those two real-life cases, and maybe in this one as well. But... There's no question that they have infinite respect for each other. And it is because of that respect. That the other guy will do whatever it takes. To beat their opponent and show once and for all. That they are the one who should truly. Be respected. This felt as real as a WWF title match build ever can. Some people have brought up the build Brett versus Shawn at WrestleMania 12, but even that I thought was still kind of portraying Michaels as an everyday Superman. Now, he's doing the whole Rocky thing, and Brett has to walk, not run, walk gingerly along a snowy Calgary path this felt like two sportsmen wanting to get the talking over, but at the same time using their responsibilities in front of the media. But not, as such, not just treating them as mere formalities, but taking the chance just to get in a little bit of needle here and there. And the characters, Jr. included, it's a straight man, played their roles Perfectly, the Rock toned down the arrogance in this one. Now, let's face, arrogant Rock is one of the reasons we all love him. Let's face it. But if he had just come out there and spoken his normal, pretty high-pitched trill and wheeled out the catchphrases, oh, it's just another Rock match. But here he spoke calmly. He spoke assuredly. He spoke slowly. He spoke in a very low register. So there was none of this sideways candy-ass stuff. It was, Steve, I'm going to beat you. I don't have to because I'm the champion. You've got to beat me. But even taking all of that into consideration, I am still going to beat you because I'm better than you. And in response to that, Austin, and this is to his credit, by the way, this is not a criticism, this is pure praise, seemed rather perturbed by that. And as the interview went on, appeared to me at least to be getting more and more agitated, if not outright nervous. Uh, He's stumbling over his words a little bit. He's trying to lead JR down a certain path of questioning. His eyes are darting from side to side, and on his final monologue, where he gets to that line, "I have to be the WWF Champion, Rock. I need it more than you could possibly imagine." I'm like, "Yes, I'm punching the air. That'll give the match five stars right now. This is it. These two men want to be the WWF Champion, and they're not afraid to tell the other person that they want to be, and by association, tell all of us, yes." I was going to anyway of course but I am going to watch this match now look how much it means to them and as such it's going to mean so much to us as well these two men want the WWF title with all due respect oh I can't wait now
1: yeah this this segment and this style of build saves all of it doesn't it? Any criticism of the Deborah stuff from beforehand is just gone. It's like way out of the window they saved it. It didn't take a lot. It What it took was stripping away all the crap and like so approaching this like it's, this is the type of segment you would see, I mean you referenced them earlier, this is when Sky have like a, a huge heavyweight world title boxing yes. fight. yes. This is like, like you go back a couple of years and you've got like the Holyfield Lewis rematch. Like, this is the type of segment you would see them two sitting there, like in effectively plain clothes. You've got a mediator and they're just going to talk at each other for 20 minutes. And it's not like a scripted wrestling promo with catchphrases and playing to the crowd and looking for pops here and pops there. It is just two peak of their game, elite level athletes ahead of what is the fight of their lives effectively and that's all you needed with these two i think it's like perfect sort of encapsulation of these two guys at the pinnacle of the wwf um and i mean at a time where uh, and kind of to tie this into the wider professional wrestling business like we're approaching a time now where WCW is gone. Like that's like, this is like kind of like never before seen. We're in uncharted territory here. Like WCW that not too many years ago was beating the WWF and weekly TV ratings consistently is, is dead. But like these two guys that, had no impact on business whatsoever five years ago are about to main event that what what could be one of the biggest shows in company history and it's like it honestly feels like that the way the monday night wars have played out and finished a week or two before wrestlemania WrestleMania where they've been able to put together the biggest match they've had in the best part of a decade it honestly feels like Vince couldn't have scripted that better with these two guys and I know Austin was in WCW and he's, he's been there but that, that wasn't Stone Cold Steve Austin which is a, a WWF character and The Rock obviously coming through the WWF system himself and that natural charisma taking him to where he is but like it's just poetic in a way. Um, and it's such a sad time for the, for the business of professional wrestling. But I mean, this is like all time high for the fed. Like I can't imagine things of from a, if if you're Vince McMahon in his wildest dreams, I don't think he could have imagined himself in this position. And, this segment is perfect and it's right on the money for building to a show of that historical significance, because you've got two guys that this isn't just like, I was going to say any old WrestleMania, but this isn't, this isn't effective. We're going to have 17 of them in the books and this isn't going to be one that will be forgotten. This everyone will remember this because of what's going on in professional wrestling at the time. Everyone will remember this because of the, mainstream popularity that we haven't had in a long time of the guys at the top of the card and this segment was mainstream it was uh impassioned and it was spot on and i think um this is the kind of thing i'd have had not weekly you can't do it weekly but if you'd have done like an an hour sit down interview with the two and you'd have played like 15 minutes on on Raw four weeks in a row, that would have been fine by me. And like, have them both in there and do some tag matches and stuff every now and then, both have them cut some promos in the ring and whatnot like you typically do. But this is the type of segment that I think you need to be in the right time and place for uh, things to, uh, things as simple as this to work as effectively as it did here. But it just shows that they they really were in the right time and the right place to make that happen i do hope this becomes
0: a watershed for the federation in title matches going forward you can't do it every month it would lose its power and they are still an entertainment company after all people nudge nudging the back as i say that but every now and then certainly more than every five years just proper sit down interviews like this where we get kayfabe versions of the real people because they've got so much talent on their roster who would be able to wrestle at the main event level and could carry off this sort of thing as well and they should just use it. If I believe that the characters want it, then they're gonna take me with them every time. So there's a lesson there.
1: And to end this show, um we're gonna be something a little different. And uh, I've got the full card for WrestleMania 17 in front of me. And we're just a few days away from the show now. Rory, I'm going to be running down each match. We can kind of preview each one. Uh, talk a little bit about the build, if possible. I mean, for some of the lower card ones, it may not be a whole lot we need to go through. And maybe just offer some quick fire predictions of both of us, if that sounds good to you. Okay, dokie. Okay. You're not
0: keeping a record of these, are you,
1: Chris? You're not going to throw uh, <laughs> them back in our face? <laughs> no, I mean... I. I mean, small hours my, of um,
0: the 2nd, are you?
1: Long-term listeners and those who back in the day listened to the MMA show will will gladly remember that uh, <laughs> my predictions are not too great. So yeah, take mine with a pinch of salt. And if you're a betting man, uh, do not heed my predictions if uh, as anything other than a warning, I will say. So we uh, get to the card and we'll start... Um, I've just got them in a, in a random order here. Uh, and the first match I've got listed... Uh, Taz and the APA taken on right to censor. We expect that will be Ball, Goodfather and Val in a six-man tag. What do you make of that one, Rory?
0: Yeah, Taz is an interesting addition here. Gets him on the WrestleMania card, keeps Chris Lacey happy. and We all know how important that is, don't we, ladies and gents, given the current state of the business and him having to deal specifically with what we have right now. So throwing Taz a WrestleMania bone should help turn that frown upside down, at least for a minute or two. I think Taz and the APA Win here, leading to hopefully the very rapid breakup of right to Censor. They have long since outlived their usefulness, such that that ever was.
1: You say that as uh, well, and, and, and hopefully, in your mind, then, what a more promising future for Mr. Richards. Your oh. words, not mine.
0: Okay, mine as well, <laughs> but you know, your words, not mine.
1: Yeah, I think here I'd uh, I might go the other way just because, um, oh. <laughs> I. I I hate to, like, play too much Credence into the way angles play out, but, like, the, the Taz, uh, what, like, less than a minute match on the simulcast, standing to the APA. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think just an early heel win on the card. I'll, I'll go for with that one. Next up, I've got The Big Show taking on Kane and Raven in a, a, w, a triple threat match for the WWF Hardcore Championship.
0: Yeah, you've got one man there who's probably in the right place. You've got one man there who's probably in the wrong place. You've got one man there who can and maybe should stay in that place for a very long time. Do you know who I'm referring to person by person there? draw your own conclusions. Make sure I've got this right. Raven is currently the hardcore champ going in, isn't he, Chris? It's yes. easy to lose track of this sort of thing. Yeah, okay. I mean, he'll probably lose it and win it back
1: before we get to WrestleMania. So, uh,
0: but, yeah, the, there aren't actually any shows to go. But hey, as if that's going to stop them. Yes. Uh, tough one to call. Possible. I mean, a triple threat is normally one person wins, so the other person doesn't get pinned. But do you really think Vince has any grand delusions of protecting Raven? Uh, sorry. Kane over Raven, Big Show gets protected because I'm sure they've got plans for him, Chris.
1: I'm going Kane over Big Show because (laughs) of course course you are. Because please, yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I mean actually, I will say on the Big Show he's been uh, far less problematic on my television since his return. And I think a large part of that is just to do with his placement on the card. There you go. So, like, don't force him into that main event world title scene and put him over guys like Kurt Angle in squash matches and I will have far less of a problem with him.
0: (laughs) I'm holding you to that.
1: Uh, I've got next, uh, Ivory defending the WWF women's title against China in what is a Royal Rumble rematch.
0: Oh yeah, thanks for the reminder of that one. (laughs) This has been a really artificial way of stretching this out to WrestleMania 2, doing that. I mean, normally I would have had or I should have had the events of the Royal Rumble in the books for our unbearable shitness award in December, but (laughs) the first week of March then came along and relegated it to a mere second place. China wins very quickly, and we all move on with our lives. We've already debated and discussed what happens to China after that, so I'm not going to go into that again. But yeah, China wins in short order.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to get the... The, the match that we should have got back in January that they put off. Um, very simple China, quick win middle of the show um, maybe between two matches with maybe more, uh, more prominence on the card Now I'll come to uh, one that I, I think a lot of people will be looking forward to actually the Gimmick Battle Royale uh, containing names such as but not limited to Doink the Clown, the Bushwhackers Gobbley Gooker, Iron Shake, and Sh- Sergeant Slaughter I mean, we don't know the full list of participants. We've had a graphic, but I, I mean I haven't been able to make note of everyone who's in it. But I just I guess in lieu of a, a prediction, unless you've you've got one <laughs> um, really I mean, you. what do you what do you make of this type of match on the on the card? Well, first off I really
0: hope Corporal Kirshner turns up. He was actually in one of the early graphics, but if what I've read is anything to go by, he won't be making an appearance. So that's it. Cancel WrestleMania. There you go. Leave the memories alone of WrestleMania 2 if you're not going to have him on there. So, yeah, <laughs> we're talking about Corporal Kershner up to WrestleMania 17. It's odd that the Federation are now suddenly doing something where they're embracing, maybe very lightly embracing, just a couple of fingernails on the back. Their past, after three or four years where they paid it very little heed at all. Maybe now the battle is won, they can afford to look backwards. It, are we fascinated to see what old favourites are wheeled out? I don't really think a match prediction is appropriate. But just to say, everybody, we've already planned here at the podcast who's going to be reviewing what match WrestleMania 17, doing the play-by-play notes. Eric Lamstrom requested, nay, demanded that he get to do this one. So there you are. So I should tell you all you need to know. And none of us really put up too much of a fight either.
1: Oh, no, he was absolutely free to claim that one. Uh, We move to our uh, European Championship match. Tess defending against Eddie Guerrero.
0: Yeah, this is an odd one, isn't it? I don't like seeing Eddie bumming around like this. But much like with Taz, at least he's on the card. Mm. (sighs) That, in the eyes of Vince McMahon, he writes the checks, is probably enough. And the payoff you'll get a couple of months later may help to alleviate some of the pain you might feel at wrestling what's gonna be an early card match against somebody like Test. Yeah, uh Eddie wins Eddie wins the title in a Blah match.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Eddie winning. Um hopefully uh can pull something out of the bag against Test and get something out of him. But I mean considering the amount of matches on the show can't imagine this will have a whole lot of time sort of four or five minutes maybe uh maybe even less than that including entrances and whatnot so yeah simple straightforward match hopefully eddie picks up the win next up i've got regal challenging jericho for the wwf intercontinental championship
0: interesting one Pro. Uh. Match pl- product placement, I said, <laughs> intercontinental title, here yeah, if only. Match placement for this one will probably help dictate who wins. If it's early in the card, but not the opener, or really, I'm thinking, you really are testing me out here, I think Regal could end up squeaking this one. And it would be a nice little trinket for him to gloat with and put in the back of his office next to the photo of the queen mother but if it's the opener or if it's a little later i think jericho retains i think here this type of match we get is the real question how much time they're given who gets to lead it this is one of the matches i am most interested to see i think there's a lot of pressure on jericho for this match in particular i think regal can handle it let's see what jericho can do
1: yeah, I think um, coming from the Rumble to where we are now, and obviously that, that incredible ladder match, obviously still in the Intercontinental title picture. But again, to me, and it may just be me, feels like Jericho's stock isn't quite as high as it was in January. Um, and it's it kind of like the... That's kind of just how his career seems to have gone here. Stops and starts. Like, big match, lots of momentum, and maybe calls off for a little while. He's definitely not in the doldrums where he could have been um if we go back slightly further than three months when he's coming off uh well, was it his long-running per view stretching feud with Kane but um yeah I, I I think I'd like to see Jericho retain here and maybe kick on with a, a good solid title run um heading out of mania and maybe um maybe even rematch him again at the pay-per-view following Wrestlemania or, or if not just uh, throw, throw someone else in there but I think um, this, uh, yeah, I, I think Jericho will uh, will retain here uh, next up I've got listed uh, Benoit versus Kurt Angle, a match that was uh, made following a promo on that final Raw in just a straight up singles match
0: uh, even wanting the work great people to watch Wrestlemania now Vince Finally stopping to stance after all with six days to go. Yeah, an extra couple of buys ain't going to hurt. Okay. If this one ends up being a one and done, I think Benoit wins to solidify his sort of face turn. If this leads to a feud, and let's be honest, that's what all of us hope, either angle wins by dodgy means, or they could do a non-finish here. Wouldn't be ultra satisfying but if it's the first of three or four and the 12 to 14 minutes at least we hope of action to get there will be nothing to sneeze at i wouldn't wouldn't mind that too much so but if you're forcing me to predict
1: hmm. no, and I and he is non-finish there we go interesting Ooh. um i th- i think here i've got a quite a clear winner in mind and I I think they'll give it to Kurt just because I think I mean he was WWF champion last month but he did not have a strong run as WWF champion uh nothing but sneaky wins and uh being beaten and stunned and pedigreed Rock bottomed and stealing wins here or there, and I I think he might win this one in in quite convincing fashion. Just because it's been a few months since we've had a convincing Kurt win on pay per view, Um, and I I think uh, he'll be obviously again a big player in 2001 as we move through the year. And I think they'll kind of look to get that spring back in his step by uh, giving him a big win here. Um. Next, I'll go to the WWF Tag Team title match. Uh, We've got TLC2, the Dudleys, defending against Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys.
0: Yeah, no pressure, guys. When we were on the SummerSlam show last year, Chris, I said and it's there for everybody to go back and listen to, preserved in audio aspect, that they will not be able to top what they did at SummerSlam. They're getting an opportunity to give it another go. If anybody can, these six guys will be able to. I do have my doubts, like I think most sentient people do, and I voice those doubts with a sharp intake of breath, but I am more than happy and prepared, as I'm sure they are, to see how close they manage to come this time. A winner? Edge and Christian have won both of the last two, of course. I don't think they're going to win it a third time. Doddy's going in as champions, so I'm going to say the Hardys win this. I think they probably deserve it as well.
1: I'm with you uh, with the Hardys as well. They were my pick for this one. Um, what I think might play in their favour is that we are so far removed from that match at SummerSlam. I think if we were to go back now, which I think I'm going to actively avoid doing yeah, going yeah, yeah. back and rewatching TLC 1 I think in my head it's there as this memory but it's also a car crash of spots that I think just live with live long in the memory but also kind of like muddle together if that makes sense and by virtue of some distance from that match and and the fact that we haven't had uh, another one since um I think they'll have the opportunity to just go in there and and basically hit repeat, and, and I'll I'll be a very happy customer by the end of it, as long as everyone comes out of it um, safe um, and uh, as as not hurt as you can in these types of matches. What do you make about the kind of additions to each team this time that maybe slightly alter the dynamic with um, Rhino, Lita, and obviously Spike Dudley, um, kind of cornering each team. um, do you think that adds a different dynamic or it does don't
0: exp- Um yeah, they're they're all gonna get involved one way or the other, aren't they? And I don't normally like my run-ins in my WrestleMania title matches, but it does write itself here. I'm not in charge of the pen and I wouldn't really want to be for a match like this. I'm happy to let others do it. I've been so impressed with Rhino since he came in. Spike plays yes, his role. Too so well and I hope his head has rolled, been rolled back onto his shoulders after what Rhino did to him a couple of weeks ago and we all love Lita on these shows as well we might now, as long as their involvement doesn't over the already very sugary pudding too much I'd almost go as far to say I hope they do get involved but only just a little bit if that's possible I've
1: got, I mean I've got visions of Rhino like goring someone like through a ladder and off a ladder And yeah, uh, I think it adds a whole new dynamic. That could
0: outright goring (sighs) a ladder. Yeah, it's all. all Yeah.
1: (laughs) Look, I, 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 I would go as far as to say that I, my excitement for this match is that I could see it being better than the first, uh, which is a very bold prediction. But Mm. there we go. There we go. Next up, I have The Undertaker versus Triple H. I know we've spoken about that build, but in terms of predictions, how do you see that one playing out?
0: Yeah, I think Triple H is the winner here.
1: That would it
0: doesn't really get mentioned very often. The Undertaker is actually undefeated at WrestleMania. He's got quite the unbeaten record really? going there. They, it's, they mentioned it WrestleMania 13 when he beat Sid, or JR did, but they don't make a whole lot of play of it. It certainly hasn't featured in the build up for this match any, but might be something they want to pay some attention to. But no, I do think Triple H wins here, probably using that bloody sledgehammer. Remember the days when <laughs> we just talked about that bloody whistle and grudgingly enjoyed it? Not quite the same with that bloody sledgehammer. Uh, pro wrestling, inanimate objects, where would we be without them? But yeah, Triple H wins to prepare him for his title shot that we talked about so lovingly last month that he will get at Backlash. Fixed
1: grin, fixed grin. I'm with you on Hunter winning this one. Um, yeah, I think it's just kind of the way it goes. Hunter wins, right? Like no way out. You got Stone Cold Steve yeah. Boston one month before a main event. Triple H wins. Like that's that's what I expect these days. And uh, WWF, they they match that expectation every turn. Um, I actually, <laughs> I think so, this will be. So well put. <laughs> I think this will be a better match than people. I've seen are expecting it to be. I think these two could actually work quite well together. Um, and it's been a long time since I've really looked forward to an Undertaker match that isn't, especially one that isn't like a uh, like a, a crazy gimmick, like a Hell in a Cell or something like that, where you know almost the spectacle of the match outweighs the, the in-ring. Um, in terms of just a straight up singles match, I, I kind of, I, something about it, Um, Rory, you won't be pleased to hear but I think this could be a bit of a sleeper for outside of TLC2 which is obviously going to be very different to any kind of in-ring but this could be a sleeper pick for one of the the best matches we'll see and that's, I think, quite a bold prediction when we look at what else is on this card
0: Do you mind if I take bit of a sleeper very, very literally there, Chris?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm going to So we've spoken about the build too much here I don't want to go over uh Some of the more negative points again, but we have Vince versus Shane, father v son, WWF owner versus WCW owner, with Mick Foley as the special guest referee.
0: Total, complete, and very possibly literal car crash, which ends with Shane winning and Vince finally getting his from everybody involved, very possibly too, including Stephanie. I wouldn't rule out that happening either, but. Certainly the major players who have an axe to grind, Shane, Foley and the ultimate axe of all of them, Trish, not that it's going to make up for it, will finally get theirs on Vince as well. It's going to be immensely satisfying, but nothing, I I believe it, I really do hate to keep going back to it, but we're always going to remember March the 5th, sadly. But at least in the story, if Vince gets pulverised we can at least begin the healing process.
1: Yeah. It doesn't excuse what came before, but it certainly does uh, go some way to making steps for us to move beyond it. Um, uh, I hope to see Vince get his here. Shane's obviously the clear favorite to win this one. And as a result, he's my pick in our main events. We have the big one. We have the rock defending his WWF championship against stone cold, Steve Austin, in the main event of WrestleMania 17, what do you make of this one?
0: Yeah, Austin wins. Sorry, Austin. <laughs> sorry everyone, but that's it's. This was one I really wanted to be able to give the big build up to, but ever since Armageddon, we'd known this match has been coming, and we all know the result. I'm sorry to break this to anybody, but Austin goes over in what is going to be a throwback style main event. And again, when used every so often, that is okay. They've already got the sporting element behind it. Thanks to that wonderful interview we talked about earlier. So here they can have a straight out brawl. And the I'm better than you, I'm going to prove I'm the superior wrestler and should be holding the WWF title is already built into it. So they can just exchange punches for 20, 25 minutes. And it's going to be awesome. there. I said it, but Austin's going to win at the end of it because, of course, he is. I should just say, though, I must give him this just in case. Eric Landstrom is the sole, or at least until I hear your views, Mr. White, the sole person I know who is predicting a rock victory here. Ever the contrary one, is that Mr. Landstrom? Yeah, Austin wins.
1: Look, I have been with you the whole way on Austin winning. Like, we, I mean, it's, We, I don't think we've actually said it out loud, but it's been very clear. Like we were holding off Austin regaining the WWF championship since his return. uh, And we were building to this match and it feels like it could be the right time. I did have a theory about how the rock goes over here. And this is kind of born out of the, the interview we saw the the sit down interview that obviously we broke down in great detail that that line that Austin needs to, to beat him and there was obviously there reports last year about how they were considering a, a heel turn for Austin. So I part of me wonders if we get a rock victory here, which just the pressure on Austin, obviously in Texas WrestleMania main event, that loss and Austin loses this match. And that is like, breaking point for him uh and not at wrestlemania but sometime down the line that is like the first seed in this huge stone cold heel turn where he just snaps he he cannot get his title back so he snaps and i feel like this would be breaking point for it if you are going to turn stone cold steve austin hill personally that's how i would do it i wouldn't go any other way with it that promo and the line, I need to beat you, Rock.
0: Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Look, any heel turn is only its good, is only as good as both its reasoning and its explanation. And you have given us a mighty damn fine reason and explanation there, Chris. I wouldn't do it on the day. <laughs> good luck. No, 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 no they're way. They're alive if you do that. But as the beginnings, as a slow burn, I could be convinced about this. Maybe it's time. The, I'll, the, I'll think about that over the next 48 hours, but maybe it really is
1: time. The only way the caveat to that is we we don't know for sure the rock's schedule for this year. We know that he's going to be having a lot of time off um for filming commitments and whatnot, but we don't know when he's going. And if that's really soon, then you need to get the belt off of him. Like, oh yeah. That's but if 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 he's around for another couple of months, and you can have him win here and Austin over the next four weeks, slowly, slowly turn, and then just snap one day, and we've got Stone Cold Steve Austin at Backlash. That works for me. But uh, so I kind of got two two predictions here. One is that <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin is just going to win, and we all go home happy. And one is The Rock wins, and we're getting the heel turn down the line. Um if you're gonna ask me what one I think will happen, I'm picking the Stone Cold Steve Austin baby But <laughs> I could see I don't think it's as uh impossible as general consensus suggests.
0: I think the phrase is you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> yeah. If we if Stone Cold Steve Austin loses this match at WrestleMania, I, I'm telling you he's going hill. <laughs>
0: You heard him. D- d- don't fight it now, everybody. Now, he's been bringing the big calls for the last 100 minutes, but he's saved the greatest <laughs> one of all for now. Just, You know Just listen to the man. He's, he's twisted my arm. He's right. No, he's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Look, so, I mean, that's the card. Um, what are we thinking then, generally? This, to me, looks like there's enough here that we could be on for our third show in a row where we're giving upwards of nines hope so cannot
0: wait for this wrestlemania these two days are going to go very very slowly please let's just get there as quickly as it can i'm going to be climbing the walls for the next 48 hours i haven't looked forward to a wrestlemania this much since Oh, why would wrestlemania 10 mm-hmm. that's in pro wrestling those seven years might as well be a lifetime we were doing these shows at the time, but that's pretty much the only link link with the past we currently have. That's how long ago it was. I am amped, as the core could say, for this show. Running through the card, there they really have got something for everyone. Got something for your your brawling fans, something for your spotfest fans, something for your workrate fans, and you've got the two biggest. Let's not beat about the bush. The two biggest names we have ever seen, possibly anybody who's ever watched pro wrestling has ever seen going at it one-on-one to find out ultimately who deserves to be and is going to be the WWF champion. That is how you tap a card that's already got so much potential variety on it. And I'm actually going to give the Federation some early support on this one, saying that this card... (laughs) famous last words this (laughs) card cannot fail i'm almost thinking okay let's 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 be slightly realistic because no it's not christmas for the nine months let's be slightly realistic let's say i'm gonna eight out of ten is probably the baseline for this one but i want to say the baseline is nine dare to dream McNamara. The, the baseline for this one is nine with that card all they need to do yeah it's a big all Well, I have faith in them for once. All they need to do is execute it. And with everybody involved, the grandeur of the occasion. But three and a half years of build up to this event, really, if you want to look at it like that, it simply has to be a success. And they'd have to fall over their own shoelaces for it not to be. You can never put it past them. But this time, at least, I really, really cannot see it. 47 hours, 58 minutes.
1: And I think on that note, that is the best possible way we could end the March edition of the WWF show on the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. Rory, thank you so much for your great analysis. I had a blast preview in a pay-per-view. This is a new thing for me, previewing a pay-per-view on the show. but. I have to say, when the pay per view is shaping up to be as good as WrestleMania 17, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, great
0: um, breaking that one down. We all know what's next.
1: I know you're a very busy man, both on this podcast and elsewhere. So, would you like to uh, run through what we've got in store uh, for the listener with uh, WrestleMania 17 and also what you've been up to outside of this project?
0: Yes, just quickly, outside of this project, you can hear me on the Fantastic Place to Be Nation Wrestling Network. Got a couple of very different shows on there. Got a show called The Special Relations with Ben Locke and Callum McDougall, where we just yarn about wrestling, really. I know, original concept and all of that. Some new, some old. We'll do live watches, we'll do discussions. The shows really aren't planned until five seconds before we go on there, and you can tell that sometimes, but it's all a good laugh. New show coming up in a couple of days' time. There, I've also got a program called Senior Video, where once every month, me and a guest review a WWF home video from the Coliseum Video Pantheon, all the tugboat matches you could ever hope to see, and all of that. Again, that drops the start of every month on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling Network. Yeah, here on the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. Let me know again, let me let myself know I know what's coming. I'll let you know what three volumes are available. Hopefully, you'll have heard the first two now. Volume one is the breakdown in every way, shape, and form of World Championship Wrestling. Just how did we get to this point, and where did we go from here? You've heard volume two, our WrestleMania preview. Volume three, we look in detail at the final Monday Nitro. So, segment by segment, match by match, in conjunction with the Raw that took place at the same time. And, oh yes, the simulcast. And now, I still, still cannot believe that that happened. But all roads do indeed lead to WrestleMania and coming for you on April the 1st itself will be a full review of WrestleMania stand alone. All the talking is over. No news. Nothing else like that. WrestleMania deserves its own place in our podcast pantheon from start to finish. Every single match. I'm on there. Chris White is on there. Chris Lacey is on there. Eric Landstrom is on there. Dan Welling is on there and we really hope you join us for that one it's going to be a lot to sift through I do wonder what we are going to be like come the end of it especially what we're going to be discussing in the final half hour of that show but I cannot wait to record that with the boys and you will all get to hear it soon and Chris good vibes I've got going for that one good vibes very very good vibes indeed my friend
1: very good vibes and I mean it's been one hell of a ride when you get involved in a project like this Years ago, you've got an eye on March 2001. We're here. I think we've recorded three excellent shows in the build-up. I hope the listeners, having listened to those three shows, will agree. And uh, WrestleMania 17, I think that pay-per-view review could be the best of the bunch. Um, And I cannot wait to review it with all of you. And have somewhat of our own Austin Beer Bash maybe on the call um, to celebrate the occasion. We're going to need it. <laughs> but for now um I have been your host Chris White and thank you very much for listening and until WrestleMania 17 goodbye so cold, Steve Austin will be in the main- I inform you that officially, as of now, you are managing The Rock. last last managing The Rock? What the hell is that?
0: I never asked for Deborah to be my manager, never wanted Deborah to be my manager. But the fact of the matter is this, is she's not my responsibility. She's not my wife. She's
1: your wife. I ain't gonna break Deborah's ankle for God's sakes. I ain't no if there's a rattlesnake. You never, ever, ever put your hands on another man's wife. Austin warned them! I wait the rock and if anything happened to Deborah and it would be the rock sands let's just go ahead and take Deborah out of the place and non-factor the fact is rock you got the wwf title that i want it but ball he's serious he's stuck in our
0: pit. set him up he wants that rock bottom here Isn't waiting until
1: WrestleMania. Your bald-headed, double-studded candy ass belongs to The Rock. Wait a minute! just get the Stone Cold The Stone Cold Steve Austin. How personal can this get? Can j- you imagine what it's gonna be like at WrestleMania?
0: 316 says I just whipped your ass, right? Well, I say just bring it. You say I just whipped your ass. So on April 1st, won't you just come try and whip the box ass?